read an essay in the Anglican Theological Review the week before last called Spiritual But Not Religious. And so that has influenced me a lot over the last 10 days. And I thought I'd say something about it in this sermon because particularly the epistle from 2 Timothy is about the apostolic ministry. And you know, the Green Sundays I always talk about is the time when we think about the nature, cost, the ways and the means of Christian discipleship. This Green Sunday season I've had uh, a blurb from Vicki Black's book, Introduction to the Seasons of the Church Year, and she said the Green Sundays are about our relationship with God, our relationship with Jesus Christ and with one another through our prayers, the sacraments and life and the body of Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and the church and its mission. Green Sundays are all about teaching Sundays, in other words, because we're talking to some degree about the content of the faith. And when you read an article that says uh, spiritual but not religious, I have to tell you that as a member of the clergy over the last 15 years or so, if I've heard that once, I must have heard it a gazillion times. You know? And the implication is that spiritual is to be preferred over religious. So I guess this sermon, to some degree, is going to be a commercial message for the importance of being religious and spiritual. But the Episcopal Church is a religious institution, and it has a coherent content. We talk a lot about how Episcopalians um, encounter the deep things of Christian faith and belief, and use the full force and effect of their intellectual and critical powers on those things, and should. And at the same time, uh, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that there is a coherent tradition with a capital T, and it flows out of various aspects of our life. I was also influenced in writing this sermon by something that's been happening in Christianity in the United States, and uh, our bishop is particularly interested in this and has done some work on it. And it's called the Emerging or the Emergent Church. And the Emerging or the Emergent Church is a sort of out there expression of Christianity. But they are right on the razor's edge of spiritual and not religious. <laughs> the phenomenon that's happening in the Emerging Church is that they're beginning to recover or to become interested in the practices and the way you and I do religion in the Episcopal Church. So I thought, well, I want to say some things to you about 2 Timothy and what's happening there. Because when we speak about the tradition with a capital T, we're not speaking about traditionalism. We're speaking about how this tradition might be alive and well and how changed circumstances uh, and cultural uh, norms have altered over time, and how the gospel speaks through its tradition to those things. So what Paul is saying to Timothy may specifically bear on the apostolic ministry, that is to say for somebody ordained, but we need to hear Paul's words not just addressed to a member of the ordained ministry, but to all the community of the baptized. And that's what Paul is speaking about 
today in 2 Timothy. So here's a little background. Timothy is an interesting hybrid because he is as one Jewish parent and one Gentile parent. And he wanted to be baptized, and so he was, and it appears from this reading today that he was ordained by Paul. And Paul is speaking to him about the, his laying on of hands and the apostolic ministry that has been transferred to him by virtue of this laying on of hands. This is an important reading because you need to know something about the tradition of the church. By the second century AD, three things emerged that began now to become the core of the tradition of Christianity, the religious expression of Christianity. And they were, in this order, the episcopate, the baptismal creed, and the canon of the Holy Scriptures in that order. So by the third century, we begin to have these things in place, and the author of 2 Timothy, whether it be Paul or one of his disciples, is speaking now about the evolution of the sub-apostolic community, the Christian people who continue after the Twelve Apostles. And by this time, the Twelve Apostles, a lot of them have been killed. And so we're starting now some form of continuity and some understanding of how we uh, do what we do. And Paul today, or whoever, is speaking about how through the process of the transmi transmission of the tradition, we receive tools that enable us to revivify our vocations. And so if we understand this passage to have something to do not just with, uh, you know, little good words for those who are ordained, but good words to all of us, the baptized, about how when we're tempted to have a failure of nerve, we remember that we have received the Spirit of God through our baptism, God coming in an inward way to enlighten and strengthen us. And by virtue of that, it provides us the opportunity to meet the challenges and the opportunities that are in front of us. This means, of course, that there will be times when we need to live lives of obedience and commitment uh, in circumstances where we don't feel like it. And I think that's what's happened here. I think Paul is saying to Timothy, you're beginning to fade, so uh, I want you to buck up and understand this. Jesus, in today's gospel, isn't letting us off the hook at all. The apostles are saying to Jesus, and remember Luke's gospel was written in about 85 AD, so that means that we still have some apostles around, um, and we're talking about how are we going to increase our faith. And Jesus said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you would be able to do great things. And the implication again is, your faith isn't very great, you're asking me to increase your faith, and the resources for doing that to some degree are internal, you know? So much of our um, life and work we believe that there's something outside ourselves that's going to fix us, when in fact uh, we have the resources and um, 
we can affirm the power and the presence of God always, even when we don't feel it. So he's saying to them, you know, even in the midst of uh, not feeling it, uh, you need to do it. So he gives the rather unpleasant example, at least it is for me, of slaves. In the New Revised Standard Version, they translate in most places where it used to say servants, they say slaves. And the reason for that is, that's the word in the Greek text, doulos, is slave. So they translated it accurately. But he said, you know, you come home and your slaves, uh, what do you do, invite them to sit down and eat dinner with you? No, you tell them to get up and make dinner for me. You know? And in that sense, you're called to the life of service and self-giving. And Christian people in some way need to have faith that by that process things become uh, clear about your vocation. And maybe you have a deeper sense of God's will and purpose for you in the course of, of how you live on a daily basis. You know? All the writers on the spiritual life after the New Testament in the first three or four centuries of Christianity said, when you feel dryness, when you feel that God is far away from you, the thing to do is not to step away, but to remain engaged even in the midst of that uh, anxiety about whether or not you're on the right track. It's to create uh, a certain religious tendency which have to do with habits of being and relating things to do, tools you can use. So spiritual versus religious can often be understood to mean spiritual is I feel like I'm connected, or I feel good when I do this, or I am interested in my interior states, mental, emotional, and spiritual. When the religious life says those interior states are necessary in order for you to give them away, in order for you to extend in some way. And so we wish to have a balanced spirituality, which includes religious practice and includes a deep commitment internally to the processes of God at work in our lives and in the community of faith. So think this week about maybe some ways in the past you have been able to do that uh, and you only realize it after the fact. See if you can um, sharpen your practices. And remember, we don't always have to use specifically theological terms to describe these things. Being the best human being that you can be, being clean in your dealings and your relationships, uh, behaving with integrity in your work and in your family and in your friendships uh, have deep spiritual significance. And I think this is what these two readings uh, speak about today.